This is the Scale with Psychology podcast, where you're going to optimize your psychology to exponentially scale your business and become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm your host, Ani Manian, widely known as the Mind Whisperer and trusted advisor and psychedelic therapist to the world's top entrepreneurs and leaders. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a mental game. And the main constraint in any business is not the strategies and tactics, but the psychology of the founder. And with each episode, I'm going to help you take your life in business to levels you never thought possible. If you're ready to play the game of life and business in God mode, then this is the podcast for you. So welcome to the show. I'm here with a new friend that I'm really excited to get to know live on air. So one of the things that I respect most about who you are is, and I shared this with you, how radically authentic you are. and you're not indexed based on how you want people to perceive you. You're not living a life that is engineered to be a certain way to create a certain outcome, whether it's success in business, whether it's building a certain reputation, getting validation. You're just being you. And that's working actually phenomenally well for you. And One of the things that I deeply believe is that one of the best strategies for business success is radical authenticity. And to me, you exemplify that principle really well. And a great place to start, I think, would be one of the things that I find really fascinating and that I resonate with so much, which is the identity that you're living into which is the professional life enjoyer. So tell me about that and tell me how you see business, how you relate to business and how do you how you relate to your business and how you've constructed it is resulting in the fact that you live in Bali, which is where we're right now in a really cool co-working space recording this. You live by the beach. You live with the love of your life. You have a schedule which doesn't require you to wear a shirt most of the time. You work with people you love, and you really actually genuinely seem to be enjoying your life. Yes. Yeah, so first of all, let me give credit to credit due. The personal life enjoyer thing has not been made up by me. It's by our friend Eddie Kwan. Yeah. Eddie Kwan is a guy who is the embodiment of enjoying his life. But the reason why I get so well with Eddie Kwan and people like yourself is that you don't need to focus and stress about money. And that sounds weird, right? Because when you're starting out, that's totally different. Because in the beginning, you start out and think, I am fed up with my life. I want to change direction. Maybe you work for a boss. Maybe you're already an entrepreneur, but you really like to go to this next stage where you can enjoy freedom and do the things you like. Because... Nowadays, we are all fed by all these Instagram feeds, name it, and we see kids in in fancy cars. And if it is true or not, that doesn't really matter. The thing is, that is something that we truly want for ourselves. So the very first thing that you are going to do then is chasing money, obviously, because everybody can say, you need to have freedom or you need to grant freedom for yourself. But even if you are 
not on a higher level of or, or, or higher consciousness of a state of mind where you can accept that not having much is okay. You first need to get there in order to understand that from my perspective. You know? So that is the very first stage. So you are going to need to find some form of success first. And in the beginning, yes, you are going to need to be working hard because it's not coming all by itself. But the aim should be that you always construct your roadmap or your goal where you go towards in such a way that you're going to make it as easy as possible. So you want to make the road ahead as easy as possible. That means, for example, don't spend your time with building websites and thinking about branding. And don't get me wrong, I have nothing against branding, but still, you need to start with the bare minimum, the bare essentials. And, and what is that? First of all, you need to package something that you know, and it can be anything. And a lot of people make that really complex, right? I need to be this, I need to be that. You know something that can help somebody else, 100%. Sit with yourself and you will find it. And when you do, package that and then take it apart and offer it in multiple ways. Can be in a one-on-one environment like we're speaking now. It can be in a workshop format where you do it with a small group. It can even be to the masses at scale through courses, digital products, or whatever you want to do. The sky is the limit. But the thing is, that's a tactic, right? Everybody can learn that. What you need to achieve is that you are going to understand why you are doing this in the first place. And that's something I haven't done for a long time. Let's say for 40 years, maybe you can explain this from your perspective. How was it for you? Because yeah. I'm really curious how it was for you to find that out. So a couple of things in what you said. And by the way, I'm doing a shit job of being a, a good interviewer. This is Virgil Brewster. And in your track record is pretty spectacular. You've had businesses that generated over $10 million in revenue in the online space. So we're having this conversation, not to disparage money goals or achievement or success in any way. Actually, the reason why we can have this conversation is because you've reached the pinnacle of success in many ways. And you, what you're doing now is looks radically different in some ways because you realize what's actually important. And you said something that I want to go back to, which is it's actually really easy. And one thing that I've noticed over and over again about humans, because I'm just obsessed with how human beings think, how they function, how they're organized, how their psychology is put together and it generates a certain outcome for them. Human beings have a really hard time letting things be easy. And rather than taking the path of least resistance, rather than taking almost because letting it be easy is, a, is actually an allowing, right? It's a kind of surrendering to the wisdom of efficiency. And what I've seen entrepreneurs do so much at every stage, right? Not just in the beginning, not just in the middle, and even up until getting an exit, what they do is it's easy, but it's too easy. So they make it harder. They make it more complicated. They make it, they add steps to the process. They find things that they deem important, like branding, like the website, like this, like that, business cards, 
Do they still exist? It's crazy. <laughs> and it's amazing the propensity of human beings to take something that's actually very easy and make it more complicated. Because at the heart, business is basically do more things that make you money, do less things that don't make you money. And in the category of things that make us money, it's get more customers, it's increase the transaction size per customer, and get customers to transact more frequently. That's pretty much it. It's actually very simple. Yes. But, and there's two things that are required to actually fully take advantage of that, which is we need to know what to do. And then we need to know how to do what we know. It sounds almost complicated, but yeah, it's simple. Right? If we think about it, it's actually very simple. But how this translates into an entrepreneur's life in their mind, in their business, is absolutely demonically complicated. And I think, and this is connected to this idea of being a professional life enjoyer, I think the ultimate ceiling on success is our degree of self-worth. And also the ultimate ceiling on the degree to which we can enjoy our life is that same self-worth. If I feel like I'm worthy of enjoying my life, only then can I even begin to have that conversation and begin to entertain the idea that I could do that. And most entrepreneurs, they're just working around the clock, right? Even if they're not working, they're thinking about the business. They feel guilty while checking out. They, the idea of going to Bali for a month is it fills them with anxiety and dread because like, how is this thing going to function? And in the business as well, their level of success, how easy they allow it to be, is capped by their self-worth and how much they feel they're worthy of that success. So I see a lot of people who, it can be very easy for them, but what they're doing is they're trying to earn the success based on their perception of their level of worth. And I just want to say this because this is a really... This is the kind of conversation I want to have, right? That's why we talked for a few minutes and I said, listen, we need to do this, but have it be recorded because there's some gold coming out. Worth is fixed. Your worth is unchanging. It's been the same since the moment you were born. And in terms of worth, you're priceless. You have infinite worth. Why? How do we know that? Because you exist. I don't think there's any accidents in the universe, in nature. Everything in this universe is mathematically perfect. It's a mathematical equation that is pure perfection, and it does not make any mistakes. So the fact that you exist is actually the proof mathematically for your worth. For the fact that you belong here, you are worthy of existing. And because you belong here and you're worthy of existing, you're entitled, entitled, that's the word I'm going to use, to feel good about yourself, to have a good life, to feel rich and abundant and wealthy and relationships and friendships and love and physical nourishment. You're entitled to that. 
So our worth actually doesn't fluctuate, but our perception of our worth fluctuates. And I think I could say this for you because I can certainly say this for me. 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have let myself go to Bali for a month. No, <laughs> same. It was, it's an interesting way to say, and I like also how you talk about your work and your place and that you're here. But even if you don't look from it, look at it from a spiritual perspective, and let's say you're not spiritual at all, and you watch this and you think, okay, let me put it in perspective for you from a biological Because at the end of the day, what kind of miracle are we? The fact that we are conceived is a miracle by itself. Pure biology, nothing spiritual. I go a, a couple of years back, I had a girlfriend and uh, I never had kids and I never had, uh, never what For some reason, it didn't happen for me. And I'm totally okay with it. Yeah. But there was a period in my life where we wanted, I had a girlfriend and we, we thought that is the norm. That is the social norm. We need to have kids. So we need, but it didn't work. So we started in a very intensive procedure, what is very impactful for many people, right? It is a miracle that it happens. And I remember we went to the best doctors in Spain at the time in Valencia. And we're sitting at a table there and the doctor literally said this. What we're trying to achieve here is goes beyond miracles. Because in a natural state, the chances that a child, you, that you are sitting across from me, is so small. And now we try to interfere with a lot of technology to try to make it happen. And the reason why he said that to us, that he wanted to manage our expectations, hey, this is very difficult, so it might go wrong. So why I bring this up? Because the fact that you're sitting here from a biological perspective is a miracle. And then from that point on, then you are the strongest survivor of everything. So you came into this world. Now, when you came into this world, this veil was put over you, so to speak. Oh, again, this is still not spiritual. It's purely from a biological perspective. And you are taught to believe that you could do certain things, and you're also taught to believe that you cannot do certain things. And we see that happening each and every day around us. And that's the external part, right? That's something that's coming from the outside. But then there's another aspect of us as well, which might be spiritual or not, that's our mind. Because from the inside, so first let me conclude the outside world, the outer world, so to speak. You're going to school, you've been taught you have to learn X, Y, Z, and if you do this, will happen. So now in the inner world, you are confronted with so many different ideas, beliefs, and you need to fight them both. And that is why it is so hard for people. So how do you solve this? You know, that's, that was my long life yeah. thing because I couldn't understand why do some people are very successful and why some people never became successful in their entire lives. Was this, tell me on your timeline, right? Was this before the mega success? Or yes, this... way before the mega okay. success, yes. The mega success is really uh, the, 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 the final part of the whole journey. To understand, <laughs> the, the, the thing is to understand the mega success, you need to understand the whole journey totally. as well because you need to go through it. And the thing is that your mind is holding you back. So you need to find a way to deal with that. And some people find it in spirituality or religion. 
Some people find it in extreme sports. Some try to find it in substances. In, for example, ayahuasca, which I don't consider a drug, yeah. like an eye-opener, but some people literally go to drugs to hope that they can subdue that voice in the head that's constantly holding their bed. So the very first step that you need to take wherever you are in your journey is not being afraid to ask yourself those hard questions. And you know a lot about that, obviously, the hard questions, how that works, because we avoid that. We run away from pain. That's our nature. But sometimes you need to turn around, not sometimes. You need to turn around and face everything that, and then you will find most of the times that what you are afraid about often isn't even worth the fear when it comes to when it materializes. But that is the, the beautiful thing of the mind. But on the other hand, also the curse of the mind. Totally. And, and I'm seeing this trend with so many entrepreneurs these days where they're literally avoiding themselves. That's like when you get a really good look in the mirror at yourself and you look at yourself in the eye, it, it's almost a, a very visceral experience, yeah. but sometimes very uncomfortable. It is. And I used to wonder, like, why is that so uncomfortable? And I realized that we usually, as human beings, and particularly for entrepreneurs, we operate in a kind of misattunement with ourselves. We're basically hiding from ourselves because there are all of these little ways. A, we feel out of integrity with ourselves because we're not A, being fully authentic or we're not living the life that's really true for us. We're not really believing in ourselves to the full extent. We still carry shame from past experiences, shame that was maybe not even ours, that was imprinted on us. We carry some wounding of unworthiness, also typically from childhood, where at some point a parent or a caretaker expressed something in a way that caused us to feel that we weren't worthy of unconditional love and all of the beliefs and narratives and the stories. And so it feels in that moment of coming face to face fully in contact with ourselves is really uncomfortable. So we just look away. And then we use all of these tools to look away, like social media, like Netflix. In the past few years, people have started vaping, yeah, which is like such a fascinating thing, right? It's like a thing that they're just constantly looking for relief from. What kind of relief? Relieve me from being with myself. And there's all these two, and food is the number one drug in the world, right? There's alcohol, substances, anything that lets me not fully face myself, right? And I really believe that so many of our problems, most of our problems come from our unwillingness to fully face ourselves and face the truth. And here's the problem with this, right? So many of the beliefs that we've taken as truth about ourselves, so many lies we've told ourselves about ourselves can only be revealed as lies, as, as a fabrication, because unworthiness is a fabrication, right? Uh, like whatever causes us to not believe in ourselves is a fabrication. Yes, we may have been out of integrity 
and not gone for in the past. But like at the root level, we're capable of anything. Our potential is limitless. So when we are unwilling to face ourselves, look ourselves in the eye, all of those programs continue to operate. And the more we hide from them, the more they strengthen. The more energy we're giving it, the more power we're giving it over us. Because now there's more time that's passing where, because when we hide from something, on some level, we're giving our power to that thing, right? Because if we're fully sovereign, we're just going to hold our ground. We're just going to say, okay, come, like, what you got? But because we hide, we become small, we turn away, and this internal demon just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And usually it's some sort of like serious adversity, some health crisis or someone going bankrupt or something that brings someone to their knees or they do mushrooms or ayahuasca and they have an experience or they meet someone or they listen to a conversation like this where they realize, oh fuck, that's what I've been doing. And it opens the aperture of their awareness enough for them to realize that the reality that they're living in is actually not reality. It's a simulation that they've been hallucinating, taking it as reality and not questioning it. Maybe it's time to actually question some of those things. So interesting about you, you, you mentioned the simulation and a lot of people on social media nowadays are talking that maybe we live like the, in a matrix life state or maybe this is almost real. And of course you can go deep in this rabbit hole if you go into it. And I find this fascinating. I have no opinion about it because I part, I'm part of it. I'm experiencing it, but I try always to experience from my perspective and then share my perspective of things. And so from, from how I see it and how I experience it. And the thing is this, and, and this, this is a part to, 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 to totally understand what I'm about to explain, I need you to take you a little bit step back. Because before everything started to take off for me, I was not spiritual at all. Mm. And basically, I was an atheist. I was the one. People who know me back from that time, as sometimes they, they finally told me as the Antichrist. They said, you have no belief. You don't believe in anything. And I didn't because... I couldn't understand how this world can operate if there was a so-called God or a so-called energy. Why is this happening to me? Very selfish. Yeah. Why is it happening to me? Because I, I, I feel that I deserve more than and there's more to life than this, right? So it's more like a sort of frustration and anger towards the whole spiritual realm. So that's why I was against it. But when I was running into it, I met Mariska, my girlfriend, and she is totally the opposite. She's literally spiritual type. She's helping, but she's really into it. And she started opening my eyes because I started to, to experience different things. Because little microseconds, moments of microseconds, I experienced something like, oh, could it be that? No, that's not possible. No, cannot be. So my mind took over. And... One day, I was, I was living in Ibiza for a long time. And in Ibiza, Spain, there's known for a lot of spiritual people. Mm. And I remember that I was sitting down with some people. I met beautiful people there. And spirituality was often a topic. And me as the antichrist, so to speak, they're like, okay, so you're going to convert me now? Well, that was my attitude. Very childish and egocentric of me at that time. But this person was saying which always stuck with me. There were so many different conversations, but that, that were not really worth mentioning. But there was one thing that really stuck with me, and it was, 
that everything that the world, that we perceive where we live in, just is. It is here. If you like it or not. When you are born, it's here. When you die, it still will be here. It is just here. Now, how do you shape your reality and your success? Depends entirely on you. So not, some people say on a God or something they believe in is all fine. But in, in the pure essence, you dictate where you go. Because that's the power we have as humans. And the interesting thing that, that he explained was that the world is like a mirror here. And everything I put in, it comes back. So if I believe this is not going to work, it's not going to work. And in the beginning, still, it's like a complex story, right? So hang on a minute. So now I'm talking to a mirror that life's going back. That's too far-fetched for me. But then I was thinking about my childhood growing up. Mm. And I remember that I hated school. I was a bad student. I'd been kicked out everywhere. And I remember one day I truly didn't want to go. So I was laying in my bed and I was sleeping upstairs. So my mom needed to come up and knock on the door. Fern, it's time for school. And then I, I said, I really didn't want to go. So what did I do? I really don't want to go. But my mom could see me. If I just only a mini lie, she could see right through me. I couldn't fake anything with her. She knew me, right? So I started imagining I need to be sick. I need to be sick. That's the only way I don't need to go. So I, I was laying in my bed and I was really telling myself, you have a headache, you feel sweaty. It's not good. You feel bad. You feel bad. You feel bad. And all of a sudden, I started to feel bad. And my mom came in. And she opened the door and I said, I really feel bad. And she put a hand on my head. Boy, you're boiling. No, you have to stay in. I never thought something of it as a child besides, wow, I don't need to school. Yes. But now having this conversation and having this little flashback, I truly made myself ill. So could it be that if I could make myself ill back then, can I convince myself that it is possible to move ahead in life and not make sitting here and say, Ali, I'm going to sit here. I want a Porsche Cayenne Turbo. I want to, not that type of way, right. but realistically, what do I actually need to do right now to start changing something? Not big, small. Educate yourself. Okay, where do I start? Do I need to read a book? So I start reading a book. Okay, then I got a seminar, then I go to, and before I knew it, things start running in with baby steps over time. I started to see that what I put in that so-called mirror started to come back. And who I am today, I can say about if you believe in spirituality or not, or it's a biological thing, or maybe just a law of attraction or how you want to call it, that thing worked for me. And I know if you're looking at this right now, it will work for you as well. If you only find a way to just tune in with what you truly want and even more important, why you want it. Just say more about in what ways it worked for you because what we're talking about is like gravity. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Gravity is still going to apply and it's going to apply to me just as much as it is to you, just as much to anyone else. And we can argue about it, but it's not, nothing's going to change. It's just a, a feature of the design. It's part of the design. Yeah. And the better we understand how things 
are constructed, the better we can use them. And ultimately, this is a tool. We are, we were talking about God. We are God. Because there's, there's a famous quote, the total minds in the universe is one. There's only one thing. We are everything. And we are basically a part of this beautiful mathematical equation of which we are a part, but we're also the whole. We're the ocean and we are also the wave. The wave is not separate from the ocean. The wave only exists as part of the ocean. And so the wave is the ocean, but the ocean doesn't exist separate from the wave. So the ocean is also the wave. And so we are the thing that this whole thing is made of. And as part of the design for it to know itself and complete one cycle, it has to hide itself from itself. And it has to, we need this amnesia. It's like the men in black neuralizer. And we forget our true nature. We forget our divinity. And we come into this world and experience trauma right at birth. Because in when we're in our mother's wombs, we're not separate from our creator, our mother, <laughs> right? We are one. And then we get pulled out. So we experience separation for the first time. And then we're taken out of our cozy, warm, perfect home. So we experience lack of safety for the first time. And then we feel alone and separate. And on some level, the what we experience, birth is an experience of rejection in a way. It, it's actually an experience of ejection. We're ejected from our, but we experience it, we internalize it as rejection. So as soon as we're born, the imprinting, the first imprinting that's happening is, I'm not safe, not wanted, because I've been ejected from my home, and I'm separate. And then we begin to construct everything our whole life on top of what I call this core fractal. And the rest of our life is basically all built to solve the problem of I'm not safe, I'm not wanted, I don't belong, which is all a lie. And eventually at some point, we figure out the cosmic joke, hopefully. And then the more self-aware we become, the more where we become of ourselves, the closer we get to our divinity, which is how the game is designed. And then eventually we come home to ourselves. And even if we don't make it in time, we die, which is death is the final act of coming home to ourselves, <laughs> merging with the source of which we are a part of which we come from. And then the whole thing starts again. Tell me about and tell us about how you've so that experience as a child which even if at that point you didn't realize the enormity of the discovery it put a seed in place that gave you a glimpse of the vastness of your power how much just raw creative potential you have to wield and 
is always your choice whether to wield it or not and how much and in what direction you can use it to make yourself sick or you can make use it to make yourself well but how did you like what happened later in life as you got older that allowed you to operationalize that insight and then how did you like how did you put that in motion what were you able to create as a result of that that's a funny story though because the thing is that over the years always I, I grew up when my parents immigrated from South America to Holland. It was a colony of Holland and they moved. So wow. they were in South America, Suriname. So next to Venezuela is a little country. Yeah. It used to be a colony of, yeah. of, of, of Holland. And so for my parents, it was essential that they grew up not in poverty, but they wanted a better life for themselves. That's why they moved to Holland. And then when they finally did had managed with all ups and downs to finally make it, they end up with a son who goes completely against everything, right? And until this day, we talk about it sometimes. I see you were a nightmare. You, you, you couldn't finish school. You weren't there. Your figure, your straight friend. That was just terrible. I, 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 so I feel bad about it, right? But I, I, I felt something wasn't, yeah. wasn't, wasn't, wasn't going well. So my whole aim was I, I never wanted to, that somebody could tell me what to do. As a child, I was not that type. So... I couldn't work for a boss and I tried and I did. I managed to work. Well, before we started recording, I said, yeah. yeah, I was working in television and I loved it. I, I worked in television for 12 years. I was a cameraman. I traveled the world. I was an MA until this day. I could literally say for a fact that was the best time of my life because the people informed me and educate me in a way to deal with different situations. But to answer your question, how could I? change that raw power that I discovered into action that it would work for me. And being obsessed with money and status never did it for me. And I tried to replicate that model. We have visualized it. I was someday in mood body. My whole wall was hanging with everything I wanted to achieve and nothing happened. I said, this is not working. And then for some reason, I met two business partners. We had similar mindset, so I, I didn't do it by myself. I had two incredible business partners together with. And the factor that changed it all, and I don't know how you can translate it into spirituality or what the bigger meaning behind it is, but we had so much fun doing it. We just jumped out of a chair. We said, literally, we're going to make a million bucks. Oh, how? We put on social media. We are going to make a million bucks and we're going to follow our journey. And then all of a sudden we needed, not that we needed to do it, but it was so funny for us joking uh, would be crazy, right? We never make it. So we need to find a way to make it happen. So that was the whole atmosphere. So if I look back now, because this question has been asked me many times, and yeah. many times I didn't have an answer. But after being asked so many times, I realized I wasn't focused on material things. I just focused on having the best time at that given moment. And that changed it all because then doors opened. And then you always still have a choice, like you said before, right? I can use this for being sick or I can heal myself. Then you have a choice of opportunity presents itself in life because opportunity always presents itself. People who say, you're lucky because I never got the chance. No, that's not the right framing. You got the chance, only you never took it. That's the difference. When opportunity comes, take it and run with it, not with an end desire or an outcome 
but more I'm going to go with it and see where it takes me. And then doors keep on opening. It's like this Russian doll. You open one, take one out, and then take one out. That's what constantly happening. So that was the first part, the fun part. And then the second part was really important is that we actually did it. Because so many people think about it. And there's nothing wrong with thinking. I believe now hmm. that the power of thinking and using your mind is very necessary for success as well. But that component needs a component of action. And I call it inspired action now hmm. because you need to feel good of doing it. You cannot say, I'm going to hire a mentor because I want to be rich. You want to get there. You want to hire a mentor because this mentor will make your life easier and you have a cool time doing that at the same time. And that, there it comes again. So doing stuff and actually love what you do and having fun with it, those are the two main components that everybody can start doing today. You don't need to wait. That to me has always been the best, like the sink. If I was to basically describe my entire business strategy in one sentence, it's that. It's just following my highest excitement. And even like advising entrepreneurs who are doing multiple six figures, seven, multiple eight, even the nine figure entrepreneurs, it's so funny because when I think about what am I actually helping them do, like what's changing, pretty much in every case, it's helping them a, see how they can have way more fun in their business and B, giving themselves permission to have that fun. Because it's really bizarre how this is another piece where human beings will slave away do, at doing something and they feel like they have to sacrifice and hustle and grind and just get through it. And that's going to ensure the outcome. But it, as it turns out, and I don't have the empirical data to back up this claim. This is purely anecdotal, and I'll just preface that. But after advising like hundreds of entrepreneurs, looking at several hundreds of businesses, I have never seen this to not work. Like when the founder, and this is of course cascading down, when every employee, every person on the team is perfectly aligned to their role, as in what they're doing, what they're spending their time on, gives them more energy than it takes from them. So at the end of the day, they end up with an excess of energy. The founder at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the month, ends up with more energy than they started with. Because, and that's what fun really is, right? I don't, no one has to motivate me to do something that's fun for me. I don't need to go to a Tony Robbins seminar to NLP my brain to do the thing that's fun for me. No one has to pay me to have this conversation with you. In fact, this whole conversation that we're having now, I said to you, hey, this would actually be really fun because my whole, the reason why this business exists is to facilitate conversations for me with people I feel a level of intellectual, spiritual, emotional and social resonance with, so we can just have fun. And when there is alignment, and alignment is there is a natural order and harmony to the design of something, 
in this case, the founder is aligned to the business and what they're doing in the business and how they're approaching it, because it's not just what we do, it's how we do it. They're actually biasing towards having a good time. It's mind-blowing how much faster the business grows. And it's mind-blowing how it just compounds. And it's crazy that, and it's not crazy because this is the status quo, it's ever-present. People still think that if I just squeeze out a little bit more of effort, if I just do more, if I just grind through, even when I'm not turned on, even when I'm not feeling good, I'm just like doing it to get it done. I'm doing it as a means to an end. If I do this right now, then I'll get the outcome. And when I get the outcome, I'll be happy. They're deferring fun into the future. And what happens is they keep deferring fun into the future. And they get to that point where they have either a big exit or they have a big liquidity band. They make a lot of money. But who they've been in the habit of being is someone who defers fun into the future. So they end up having more money than they could have ever imagined, but they still can't have fun. They still, it's not fulfilling, it's not meaningful, because the entire strategy that they employed to get there was to sacrifice the present moment for some fantasy in the future, and they get there, and they can never realize the fantasy. So one of the things that's really interesting is that at least what I'm seeing here for both you and I, the business today is not a means to an end for some future. This is the reward in itself. There's no outcome being engineered from this conversation. No. Like zero. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably why this conversation can happen in this way. Yeah. We this is very DIY. That we're this is very unscripted. We had zero plan for what we're going to talk about. And we're just flowing with the energy of it and that level of presence in the moment and that level of emergence of what wants to flow through in this very specific circuit that gets created when two people come and attune to each other and universal consciousness is flowing through. We, that can't be engineered. And we are so obsessed with engineering things. We're so obsessed with trying to create certainty. And this is a good point to make here. So the reason why this happens is because the mind at the very basic level is a prediction machine. The mind's always trying to make predictions about the future. And that's what helped us survive. So we were able to last this long and become the apex predator on the planet because our mind was actually able to make predictions about the future, better predictions than several other species. But the mind, the ego also wants to be right. And the ego would rather be right than have a good time. So to create certainty, we can't control positive outcomes, but we can control negative outcomes by creating self-fulfilling prophecies in our own minds. And so we naturally make pessimistic predictions unconsciously in our mind. And then by virtue of the fact that we're creating our own reality every moment, those predictions actually come true. And then we reinforce the fact, see, I knew it. I knew it. I can't hack it at this. I can't do that. I can't achieve that. 
And then we put our, we lock ourselves into the suffering. And now we're grinding, we're efforting through that suffering as a way to get out of that suffering. And the whole thing is fucked. Yeah. It's funny you say about the people you work with, where they reach this epic center of success. And it's literally my story because in not for the four years of the business that existed, I will explain later how we got out. The first two years were just working. We had fun doing it. Yeah. We didn't make a lot of money, but we had fun doing yeah. it. It worked and it grew. And then the week was this pivot in the final, the last two years where it actually exponentially goes, it went up with a straight line. And we made a ton of money, all of us. And that was the moment that we started to feel, now what? Because I remember, I, I, we talked about this on the phone before yeah. we even got this conversation happening, that I was, had all the money in the world. Until the day I had, still do. Yeah. And I was living in Valencia, and it was right after the pandemic. So we went through the pandemic in Valencia. For us, it was a great because we had an online business. So the we, we did fantastic during the pandemic. And I remember I was sitting there, everything went, was open again. You could travel. And I was sitting on the floor and I was thinking, okay, where do I go next? And imagine when you dream about where can you go next? And if you don't have the means, you, you know exactly where you want to go, right? I want to go on the cruise. I'm going to go guide surfing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And there I was having everything. And at the same time, having nothing because I couldn't decide where to go. And that was like, for me, hang on a minute. So I worked over 35 years of my life towards this moment, this epic moment that when I had everything, then I have this ultimate bliss sitting there completely lost. And that is, you can only experience by reaching that level. So while well, you listen now, you don't are not at that level yet. And again, don't get confused what financial freedom means to you, right? For some people, financial freedom is having 20 million in the bank, but for others, financial freedom is earning three grand a month. So don't get obsessed with the idea that you need millions to have an incredible life because you don't. What is your, what I call a financial number, but that's a, a topic yeah. for another conversation. But back to the, to, to the point, where I was stuck. And that meant that I finally realized that money was not the means to an end, but that I need to find something purposeful. What made my heart sing? I thought it was earning money and it did in a way, but then looking back again at the journey towards it, were we constantly talking about the money all the time? Yeah, some, no, that was not the big topic. The big topic all the time was the crazy stuff that we pulled. Or that we said, we need to do an event. Let's do an event for 500 people. Did we ever do an event before? No, but let's fucking do what Tony Robbins does. And we did it. And that moment living up to, towards it is, is the most purposeful. And that was missing when I had that purpose. At the end, I promise I will explain what happened. We didn't exit the business at all. We came with the three of us to the realization that we wouldn't do this for the next coming 10 years. Yeah. Because it was not difficult what we did. It was quite simple. We evolved as people. We evolved as persons how to market, how to sell, how to persuade. And, but the thing is, that the, the thing that we sold was a digital product, was an e-commerce course. Wasn't that, I couldn't imagine that doing that now until today. We could do so much more. So we decided, okay, maybe it is time 
to go do everybody does something else. So start with one, then the other ones had the same feeling. And then there's always one who dare to face the truth and says, I don't feel it anymore. While everybody felt it maybe a year ago, but we never, we really, we really couldn't face it. And then all the situations came to a point where we just decided, okay, this is enough. And it's, it's a nightmare to pull a business apart that is so doing so well with team and everything. And, and we didn't want to sell it because who are we going to sell it to? Because the business was us. We went to business and we, could, and we didn't want to keep on continuing or being in a advisory role because we truly wanted to do something else. So we slowly dismantled it, which is like a nightmare to do from an administrational perspective, but still we managed. And then was the moment, okay, what's next? What is it again? I know how to make money, right? And again, that's not hard. Everybody can. You can go literally on YouTube today and discard 90% of them and find 10 proper channels, people who actually know what they're doing, do literally what they tell you to do and it will work. I promise you 100%. But when you reach that success, then is the next step. Why and what are you just truly make your heart sing and that's where I'm at now. You know what's so interesting? There's so many people who they don't do this level of introspection and sometimes that's just how it is, right? Like when someone's lower down in Maslow's hierarchy, they're just they just need to bring money in. They need to make a certain amount of money to for the function. And rightfully so, mon- like money should be the priority then. And at that point, the smartest thing to do is bias for certainty. So find someone who has a model, some sort of a system, like you were saying, and they've outlined the steps and you just follow the steps and get the result. And you don't need to be very original. You don't need to like reinvent the wheel. Just follow the steps, replicate something that's already proven to work, that has market demand for, where there's enough um, activity transactions happening in that marketplace, something that's already been thought through and battle tested. And it's just, it's a proven recipe and just pump it out and make the money. But the problem happens when they so a lot of entrepreneurs they build a business as a way to get out of pain and it's either internal pain or external pain external pain is i need money i don't have enough money i need to make money internal pain is i don't feel enough dad never approved of me people doubted me i need to prove myself some sort of internal deficit so they build a business and what happens is that at least on what happens on the internal side is that it never fills the deficit so then it's the moment of disillusionment. It's, fuck, I made a million dollars. This was supposed to make me feel finally good about myself. It's not happening. I actually feel worse. Fuck, this was my hope. On the external side, what happens when people are successful following someone else's model is that it actually works. So it gets them out of pain. But their motivation relied on the pain. They were motivated to get away from pain. And now the pain's gone. So they lose motivation, they lose passion, they start resenting the business, they don't really enjoy what they're doing, and they don't feel motivated to do more of it. So either they start sabotaging the business, 
So some, they basically have to create pain to motivate themselves. And then they experience these revenue roller coasters or something goes wrong. Now they have to feel important and they come in and fix things. And they So they have to basically create chaos and disorder to feel important and to feel some sense of urgency, which they use to create motivation. Or they end up just resenting the fucking business and wanting to burn it down. Yeah. And there's so many people, at least in the past like three to five years that I've seen, they build a massive business and then they burn the whole thing down. Because on some level, it was designed to solve a certain problem. And once that problem is solved, and maybe it's a money problem, maybe it's something else, problem solved. Done. Business actually doesn't need to exist. No, even more. True, 100%. And that's literally, that you could say that is what happened in our involvement. But also then you can look at it from a negative perspective and say, hey, you built a business and you burn it down. But again, taking that business down serves a purpose. Totally. Because the moment you take that away, new opportunity arises. Totally. But I, I have to acknowledge you for that and your co-founders because that is a very hard thing to do. Especially when it's working, right? Like dismantling something that's actually working requires such a big leap of faith, requires such a level of personal power and self-trust and self-belief. Like, I just want to underscore that. I have so much respect for you for the path you walked because that is a very difficult decision. And a lot of people in that same position would just, they just keep running it keep living the lie, keep feeling that internal dissonance, keep numbing it because it just feels like too scary. Yeah, it is, it, it is it's, it's difficult. But on the, on the other hand, what it gives you back is like a, a whole new perspective on everything that you've done in the, in the way towards this moment. And that's why every moment stands at itself and you should judge everything that happens to you positive and negative and here again and you were painting here like a beautiful right. picture of growing deep and growing this business but it wasn't always glitter and glory totally. and, and, and fun that's not the case there were harsh moments there were there were problems and that's part of every business every yep. business has his own pains and aches and its glories so i want to emphasize on that so it's not that we try to portray this, this here. Perfect business. No. I think we all have this idea of perfection in our head yeah. that we want to get the business, but the business will never be there. No. Something is always going to be wrong. Some yeah, I had this like delusion that I was like, at some point, like I would have fixed everything and everything would be perfect. And then I can finally take step back for a little bit. That time is never going to come. No. And the other thing that came up when you were saying that is we need to have a vacuum, a space to come up, to even feel into what's next and for something new to emerge. And it's very hard for something new to emerge when all the space is taken up by something existing. Yeah, true. It also made, also made me think about what in your mind, what occupies at the moment, right? You have basically this is dance between frustration and inspiration. I always judge it in that way. Yeah. And so, in your world, like your body or mind, or how you want to portray it, is this, there's a seat, right? There's one seat. And then one time it's the frustration that takes a seat and takes it all over. And sometimes the inspiration takes over and the frustration is gone. But they occupy the same space, but they cannot take the same seat 
at the same time. They can maybe in a little nuanced way, but always one is more dominant than the other. And that's what right. you experience in life. So that part is really hard because inspiration is scary. Because <laughs> it goes against everything you believe. And there comes the word belief again. Right. Because when you're inspired to do something, so let's say you really want to help people grow and you're not thinking about monetization. That's purely inspirational, right? And you really feel from your gut that is something you truly want to do. But your logical side is saying, but hang on a minute, Virgil. You're going to help people and then how are you going to live? Not knowing that part, that the whole financial freedom part settled, but at that moment, it takes over the complete space and pushes everything out, even reality. And that is something really weird to understand. But if you can acknowledge that and accept that, that all of a sudden you can sit down with yourself and, and, and ask yourself literally, what I'm about to do today, is that what I truly want? I believe Steve Jobs, this is what he did in his autobiography, if you have to read yeah. it, but where he says, I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror and ask myself what I'm about to do today. Am I truly happy with doing it? If the answer is no in three days, I stop it. And it makes so much sense because like you said before, we are afraid of doing that. And, but you should. If it means, and it goes, it's not even about business, right? Yeah. Also about life. Let's say that you are in a relationship that, that, that doesn't function in a way. You could carry on in the hope and be frustrated and hope that things will change. But maybe when you look from it from an inspirational perspective, you could say, okay, this was it. We've been to this road. It doesn't work anymore. It's time to make way so that inspiration can open doors for all the people that pass by. All the opportunities that pass by, you didn't even solve because you were preoccupied with that thing. Totally. And that is a difficult thing to do, but literally a worthy thing. And I think an easy thing to do, start doing that is not go immediately go big. I want to change the world. No, start small. Start like the favorite thing. Yeah. Of vaping. Yeah. Not vape eight hours, but eight vape seven and a half. Yeah. Just gently. Or gently forward. I, I know it is very cool to say you need to go all in, and, truly, and I'm truly a believer in that as well. If you really want to go hard, but it's not realistic because it's not sustainable. So you need to package your steps and make it small, and how you look in totally. perspective. Yeah, hundred percent. I think so. What came up for me was this idea of it's too good to be true. That I think it's just sewn into the human condition these days that. For me, if I really am just having a great time and if I'm being 100% authentic and just focusing on following my joy, then I can't possibly meet my core needs, right? That'd be too good to be true. And I think we do that to ourselves in a bunch of different areas, right? You, you talked about relationships, people settle for partners where they don't feel like they can fully be themselves. And as a result, they're in a relationship that requires them to be inauthentic to keep the relational harmony. Yeah. And now they're fucked, basically, because they can't really be themselves. And if we can't truly be authentic, then everything is impacted downstream. And this is true for people with jobs. They're doing a job that they don't really like. It doesn't turn them on. But in their mind, it's this is giving me a paycheck. It's creating safety for me. 
I can't walk away from this. And so they continue, okay, I'll take permission if you're in the US to get my 14 days off a year. Yeah. It's Europe saying. So it's, th there's this construct, we were talking about programs and beliefs. There's this construct that people operate inside of where the life that they truly want to live, the person they truly want to be, the things they truly want to do, on some level feel too good to be true. That it feels almost irresponsible for things to feel that good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the thing is also that we are always trying to fix things. And there's nothing wrong with fixing things, right? Things that are broken needs to right. see. But it was funny yesterday I was watching, I'm, I'm never, I don't watch YouTube that much because there's so many things going on. And so I, but yesterday I was looking at a video just passing by on my timeline. And it was David Goggins, you know, the guy who said, yeah. you need to run. Just, I love the guy. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. And, and there was a guy who stands up and asks a question. And he said, David, I know this is an open space, but I'm, I'm a little bit shy, but I really want to ask this question. Yeah. My wife said two weeks ago that she wants to divorce me. What is your advice? And speaking of people always want to fix things, he looks at him and then he said, fucker. And I, and that was really a metaphor for what you should say sometimes. Right. I know it sounds offensive, right? Fuck her, in this case, this woman, or fuck it in the situation that you're in. But sometimes you need to be drastic with things in order to change. Totally. Because change will not come in, in the moment that you expect it, how it will come. Yeah. It will not come in an easy way. Yes. Change is always hard. Yeah. Period. So... In this case, where we just would briefly be speaking, take baby steps. In some cases, sometimes you just need to say, right, fuck it and go. And I think it's, this is a really interesting thing to take apart because I've been obsessed with change my whole life because I grew up with a lot of change. In the first 12 years of my life, we moved maybe... 18 times. Okay. So I just, I, there was so much change happening all the time. Yeah. That like on some level, I just became a student of change. Yeah. And I think change is a paradox. I think one side of the paradox is that change, like the deepest level of change, the most profound transformation takes time. Yeah. Right. Because as you said, we do need to slowly baby step our way into it. We need to titrate ourselves into it. Because it is a, there are layers to it. It is, it requires a massaging. And the deeper the change, the more dramatic the change, it takes time to get all parts of ourselves on board. Simultaneously, I also believe the other side of the paradox, which is change only happens in an instant. That is actually not a progressive path. It is actually a direct path. Because at the, the moment of change is just a moment. And that's when everything changes. But sometimes it takes someone a lifetime or decades to get to that moment, to be ready for change. Yeah. But being ready to change is not the same as changing. No. Because change to me is a dynamic reorganization of the system. And that can happen at a societal level, right? The new person comes into power and then they overturn all the stuff that the last person did and they do this 
bunch of new stuff. So, so there's a change in society where the architecture of that system changes. Change can happen in a relationship or marriage, right? Uh, what, maybe one person cheats on the other person and there was infidelity and now there's a dramatic change to the architecture of that relationship. Change can happen for ourselves. Like someone can decide, you know what, I've been drinking my whole life and I'm realizing that I'm poisoning myself. I've been vaping, smoking cigarettes, whatever. I, I don't want to poison myself anymore. And they, in, in that moment of lucidity, of clarity, they're like, I value myself more than this, right? I care about myself and from now on, I'm going to treat myself. And in a moment, a whole lifetime of habits could change. And I think it's both. I think, and it totally depends on the situation. Yeah. But I think the deeper level changes happen in the direct path because the punch through required to just break through the that whole structure that's been habituated and reinforced over and over and over and over again let's say tens of thousands of cigarettes over decades yeah like it requires something dramatic something drastic it requires a, a shift in consciousness where cigarettes go from being my best friend to being completely revolting. And for other people, they are trying, let's say using the example of cigarettes, trying to quit, but they're trying to quit for decades. They do. And they're fooling themselves. They're like, oh, I'm cutting down. I'm cutting yeah. down. Yeah. Okay. This, this is the last pack. Yeah. This is the last pack. But change is not actually happening. And maybe change doesn't happen for them because they don't have the raw personal power to punch through the strength of those habits and neural networks and patterns. Because literally in the brain, even when we have a thought or we do something like brushing our teeth or something else habitually, what happens is that as the synapses connect, the brain's, oh, this is, it basically takes anything we do repeatedly as essential for our survival. And then it coats the connection point between synapses with something called a myelin sheath. So it starts coding it. And basically what used to be like a dirt road or trail through the jungle, slowly over time becomes a super highway. Yeah. And now it's not smoking the cigarette is like hacking my way through dense jungle. Smoking a cigarette is like zipping down a super highway. Yeah. What am I going to choose? The yeah. super highway. It's just so much easier. It's become the path of least resistance. And for the brain, that's become essential to survival. So now the brain's going to fight our attempt to not do that thing. And that's true in with health. It's true in relationships. It's yeah. true with our personal habits, with business, pretty much everything. And now the brain's trying to protect ourselves from ourselves. And I think that's where most people, when it comes to change, really struggle because they are now in this oppositional dance with themselves. One part of them wants one thing, another part of them wants something else. And that is an energetically very expensive place to be. And in business, typically what I find is founder wants to grow the business, but there's some part of them that doesn't want the business to grow because they don't want to manage more people. They're already overscheduled. Their wife is feeling yeah. very neglected or something else. Their health is, they've been withdrawing from the health account to give to the business yeah. and they can feel it. Yeah. So their ego is, I want to double this year. 
the re- other parts of them are saying, fuck you. Actually, we're going to bring the business well, down. And now they're in this oppositional dance with themselves. And typically, they'll either plateau or they'll create some damage so that they can justify why growth is not possible. And that's true to say. And that's because literally the internal part also, right? And to enforce or to empower change, so to speak. And you are with yourself. All these battles are going on. I didn't realize this whole neurological pathway. is really interesting. Yeah. But you need people. You need support. Because I call it like accountability. And I, I learned that process in business, mm. not for my personal life, in business. You need somebody to say to you when you are down, who doesn't going to judge you or put you down, what your mind already probably is doing. I'd say, okay, Virgil, start, let's get up. We got this. And then we cut this and then you can enforce something to change. So accountability is a very strong thing, but that is in business. But I think even more important, we neglect accountability in our personal lives. Because like a conversation like this is in a way a form of accountability. Totally. We exchanging stuff. You acknowledge stuff. Maybe you don't agree or disagree, but that doesn't really matter. The point is, is that we exchanging ideas that enforcing my point of perspective on life which will help me to move forward. So if I don't have these conversations regularly or I don't have these people next to me, change is hard. Change will be harder. Totally. So I would definitely say if you want to change, do it together. Do it with somebody you, preferably even somebody you don't know personally. Because totally. Because I think there's there's less self-consciousness present. And I just want to underscore what you're saying because to me, Change is actually a relational process, right? A, we're changing our relationship with ourselves on some level because the same relationship means the same reality. If we want a different reality, we need a different relationship. And I've been thinking about this. This is really fun. I haven't shared this before, but usually it's us versus us, right? And we can hide from ourselves. So we can avoid ourselves. We can put stuff that we don't want to see about ourselves in the shadow outside our conscious awareness. And from there, it'll continue to direct our life. But because it's out of our conscious awareness, it's out of sight, out of mind. And now I'm pretending that's not there, right? If I'm not accountable to myself, which is an absence of self-efficacy, if there's something that I know I need to do, but I don't do it, no one's going to know. If I, and there's so many things like that, right? Because it's me versus me. If I don't follow through, or if I am not integrous, if I don't have self-integrity, no one's going to know. So introducing another point of consciousness, another awareness, another person into the mix changes the geometry of it. Now it's not me versus me. And if I don't follow through, or if I'm not integrous, no one knows. Now there's a witness. And the presence of a witness fundamentally changes the space. And now something changes in me because there is a witness, right? And to your point, it's so key to have a witness. It's so key to have someone, and I, a stranger is even better, or someone who's not in your life, like a mentor or someone like that. Yeah, or, yeah not even a friend, but somebody who doesn't judge. And to make it even better, like ideally someone who has been where you want to go, someone who's not going to judge to your point, and someone who like has made their mistakes 
So it's like they have some contacts and they're like, listen, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, you got this. Yeah. You got this. It's not a big deal. You'll get through this. Because yeah. that like, that injection of belief from someone, we all want someone to believe in us. Yes. That's We're all little kids. We are. Wanting someone to say, listen, I believe in you. I see you. I know what you're capable of. And I trust you. I, I don't know about you, but I never heard that from my parents. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> not, not to, to do a defense, right? If kids grow up, you don't have a manual or something, right? right? You just go as it goes. You struggle with your own internal battles. And now you have this child who's doing crazy stuff in your eyes and you try to manage the situation. No disrespect in that way from right. your perspective, but you're right. So tell me about, so you dismantle this eight-figure business because on some level it didn't feel aligned and it didn't resonate. It wasn't making your heart sing. You take it apart. You're in, was it in Valencia? When you yeah. go anywhere in yeah, the yeah, world, yeah. you have yeah. infinite options and infinite resources. But what do I choose? Yes. And to me, like what I heard in that is I've bought, I've given myself all the optionality, but I don't have the knowing of myself to know what I actually want. Exactly that. Exactly that. And that is where a lot of people, they talk about in marketing. They talk in marketing, your why. And yeah, I, I understand, right? Why you want to do it? Yes, but this is a different context to why and purpose that has nothing to do with marketing in this sense, but marketing of yourself, your part. Knowingly, like, you need to understand, you need to ask yourself often why, and not why on a superficial level, but why on a deeper, you have to keep on asking why. So you need to ask, keep on asking mm. yourself, okay, I like to help people, why? Because it made me happy. Okay, why is it made you happy? Yeah, because when I see other people flourish, I flourish. Okay, why is that important to you? So each time, you know, this comes from trauma therapy and that sort of things. That's where it probably comes from because you want to go to the core of things. Right. But in essence, you want to be, you will come to your own core. You want to understand deeply what motivates you. Because we know now, for me, that this wasn't mo isn't money anymore. Right. So what is it then? Because it wasn't for so long. That was the, was the, was the engine. And the engine was all of a sudden gone. So if you are starting out, so if I could do it all over again, I realize that you need to understand why you do it and what you want to achieve in the grandest vision that you can imagine and even beyond that. They have this saying, right? Aim for the sky and reach the stars. Yeah. That way of thinking that doesn't mean that you need to go there or you need to materialize that, but it gives you like an insight in what moves you because that is what's going to make you get up each and every time because the road through towards success is always with ups and downs. Like we discussed gravity. That's the road literally explained when you build a business, gravity. You throw it up and it comes circling down faster than you can and catch up with it. So life is about seasons and business is a lot about seasons. Sometimes you're in spring and you're happy and in love and you think, oh, this is great. Then summer comes, you believe this is it, this is the moment. But then autumn will always come and you start to doubt things. What is this, the road? And then winter hits and you're lost. But you never stay lost. That's the, your only even if you're guiding light to make it very esoteric or big, but that's, it, that's your guiding principle because that's how it works. You feel bad 
And there will be a point that it will change. Even if you don't believe that it will change, it will. Totally. And I just, I got to jump in and say, I was talking to someone, another entrepreneur earlier today, and it was so fascinating. We were talking about how when things are good, we completely mistrust it and we think it's going to end immediately. And when things are bad, it feels like it's never going to end. end. <laughs> Both of those feel so real and so convincing in our heads. It's, it's, it's really funny you say this because you, you immediately replicate the words. Yeah. You, it, when it's going to end, when it feels bad. It's, it's literally so you recognize that. And it also gives you hope, so to speak. I remember I was at a seminar. I don't even know, remember which one. But we were sitting in a line and was really like it was almost was planned like this because he had somebody who did five figures a year, six figures a year, seven figures, nine figures, and billionaires. Like in this, like it was arranged like that. But it's pure coincidence. I remember that I was sitting there and discussing, wow, I'm stuck at this 10K mark and it's really hard. And how are we going to get through it? And then the guy next to me, wow, if we could make 10K, it would be amazing. What's your fucking problem? So I'm like, what? you have no idea what I'm going through. I'm just stuck. So I looked to the left and there was this guy who was just on stage as a speaker. Yeah. And he was just sitting there and he was saying, I'm running this $2 billion empire. You know what? I have no clue how, how, how to go on. And I was like, so every level that you are at, this will never change. And the level, no matter what the problem is, it still feels just as intense. Oh, nice. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. But no matter, like, the problem is very specific to that level, but the intensity is the exact same. Like the, the guy who's trying to hit 10K and the, the guy who's trying to hit his first billion, it's the same feeling in the yeah. body. Yes, yes. And it's so funny because that's what makes this a true democracy. Because it's the same level of pain. It's the same level of stress. It's the same level of tension because our internal experience is the great equalizer. Yeah. Right? Emotions are emotions. Yeah. And so much of this game is learning how to become more intimate and attuned to ourselves and be able to regulate our emotions, regulate our state, our nervous system, and create the internal shock absorbers so that when something, let's say, quote unquote, bad, it's just neutral data, but let's, on colloquialism, something bad happens, it doesn't completely demolish me. And I can keep my cool, I can stay grounded, I can see, okay, let's evaluate what needs to happen. And when something good happens, then I can fully receive the energy of it and let it fill me in versus blocking it because I'm on some level, I don't trust, I'm skeptical, mistrustful of goodness. And this is so interesting because there's so many entrepreneurs and this has been my personal experience where I found at times I fundamentally mistrust pleasure and feeling good because it feels dangerous. I can't, I can't do that. Like it feels unsafe on some level. And it's interesting because we have the same hole that we use to experience pleasure and pain. And usually when we're trying to cut ourselves off from the negative emotions, shame, guilt, grief, whatever, sorrow, and we're trying to feel less of the negative emotions, it cuts off access to the positive side as well. That's how SSRIs work, the antidepressants that are peddled out like candy in America. 
they basically cut off. It's called the effective range. So our full range in the middle is zero, and it goes minus one, minus two, minus three, all the way to the negative side, and then one, two, three, four, five. So what it does is it just cuts off the full range. So the person can only feel in this tiny band. Yeah. And that's their fix for stuff like depression. Which is interesting because most of the time, depression is just, I've been so unwilling to feel for a variety of reasons, often outside my control because of tra trauma or something else or habits that I just don't feel, which is depression. I'm depressing my ability to feel, yeah. right? And over time, that just, and again, this is the sort of Western pharmaceutical, very interesting, right? To just explore the polarities approach to fixing the problem, right? Let's A, look at it in isolation. Let's cut off your feeling with a pill. And now we fix the problem of you being depressed versus when we go all the way to the other side, let's take China, the Taoist approach of not just philosophy, but also medicine like TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, looking at the body as a holistic system and how they look at disease and illness is, oh, if you feel X, there must be some blockage in the flow of energy of qi in your body. So let's understand what's getting blocked and let's unblock that by maybe it's acupuncture, maybe it's herbs, whatever, and we'll restore the flow of energy in your body. And when we restore harmony to the system, it begins to perform the way it should. And a lot of my business philosophy, like how I help entrepreneurs scale exponentially is, hey, let's look at the business as a system. Let's see if the business is not growing, if it's stuck or plateaued. It's at, instead of looking at it as, oh, we have to fix this problem. Let's see where the flow of energy and the harmony in the entire system is blocked. What channels are blocked? Where is there a knot in the garden hose that's keeping the water from flowing? And let's untangle the knots. And if we do that, then there's a restoration to that flow. And revenue and profit and money is just the flow of energy. Yeah, it is. And um, I can't agree. No, money is literally is energy. Money is energy. And, and the, the funny thing is, is the first time I came to realize that money is energy, it was an exercise again at a. I've been to so many places and masterminds because yeah. I, I love the atmosphere with yeah. people. And the speaker was explaining money is on the streets. And we're like, yeah, where then? You don't look. And we're like, what do you mean? I dare you. When you walk out of this building, you're going to find money on the street. And the funny thing is that I thought, oh, I wasted my time here. Yeah. I walk out <laughs> and I find a five euro bill in Poland. Wow. Now, is this coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> the thing is here is this, is opportunity and money, re now reverse energy is everywhere. Yeah. So, if you, don't, if you believe that it is not there, even if it is right in front of your face, you will not see it. But the moment you open up to the idea that it is everywhere, all of a sudden you start seeing it. But then we go back to the previous point. What is your next step? If you see it, are you just looking at it? Or are you going to grab it? And the grabbing part for most people is the hardest part 
because it involves doing things that you believe will not work. Mm. And that is like a weird... Yeah. It fucks people up. It, it, no, it, 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 it did with me. Same. No, it did with me. It did with me for a long time because I was like, because I couldn't understand how can people make money like that? And similar thing, price. Again, it's subjective, right? I work with people who say, yeah, but people don't buy my stuff because it's too expensive. And then I say, yeah, you're right. They don't. It is expensive to them. So maybe you don't need to talk to them, but talk to people who can afford it. So you do the same thing and you just talk to different people. And that idea alone illustrates why you need to be open to it and act to it. And even if you act towards an idea that goes wrong, even better, because then you've learned how not to do it. Totally. And that maybe, maybe, oh, that is positive thinking and it's not my thing. But in the end of the day, the more I rather do things like a thousand hours wrong, because then I know absolutely what not to do. And in that thousand hours, I've learned how I should do it. And pe- the funny thing is, people are intelligent. We are all intelligent. We know what to do. We know what not to do. And still, we choose to do nothing. And that is that that's where we feel safest. That is all the all of the self sabotage stuff, perfectionism, procrastination, all the weight analysis, paralysis, overthinking, all of this stuff. Ultimately, it's just a way for us to avoid failure. Yeah. Right. And when we think about failure, is just an emotional experience that I think I will have if things don't go exactly as I want them to go. So if I ex- my expectations are not perfectly met by the universe, then I'm going to interpret that event that's neutral in a certain way that's going to generate certain emotions in my body. And I will feel, let's say, shame. Oh, I fucked this up. Look at you. You're, you just bombed your log, whatever. And because we are uncomfortable with that emotion, we don't want to feel it. What happens is that we also never take the action that might, not will, but that there's a potential for that action to lead to that emotion. So now I'm going to avoid the action as a way to avoid the emotion. And I've also eliminated the positive, which is it might actually work. And I might have a totally different experience emotionally of it working. But because I've cut off the negative, I'll also cut off the positive and I don't take action. And now the absence of action lets me confirm my brain's prediction that I, I don't have what it takes. And it's fucking crazy how this happens at every level. Yeah, I've had entrepreneurs with businesses doing 150 million a year, like with the exact same architecture that I just described as someone who's trying to hit their first 10K. Yeah. It is a, it's a weird thing, man. I think that is, that's an, again, the beauty of us understanding that we are capable beings because we prove to ourselves that we're capable of destroying things, which we show that to ourselves every single day. Totally. So if you can just sit with yourself 
And even if you need to smoke a joint, or maybe I cannot say this, but you, you need to, to go anything, to, anything to get to, to make you see that if it is possible that things will be bad, could it be possible that things can be good? And that we, we always, like you said, we fail, we, right. we, we, we keep ourselves from seeing that opportunity because it will not work anyway. Look. I think we're fundamentally afraid of our own experience. We're afraid that we will not be able to handle that negative emotion and it'll we'll fall apart. And we don't want to fall apart, so I'm just going to avoid the whole thing. And I think the key is like realizing that if I can train myself to hold the feeling, and that is, I think, a more progressive path, like practicing with more and more levels of emotional intensity, and my nervous system can literally contain that without it dysregulating me, taking over, then I develop this confidence in myself that if something doesn't go as expected, okay, worst case, if it's going to suck, I'm going to feel really disappointed. Maybe people will laugh at me. Maybe people will judge me, but I'll get through it. I'll get through it. I'll, if I have to hide out in my house for a few days and order like Uber Eats and <laughs> not show my face around and come back when the heat's gone, it's okay. I'll get through it. And that just, there's something I realized today, which is most of my challenges in business have come from my discomfort with letting myself be a work in progress. So when we don't allow ourselves to be a work in progress, we do not tolerate imperfection. So we need perfection because we're trying to be somewhere else than, than we actually are. And the only way to guarantee that is by not really going for it. So when I don't allow myself to be a work in progress, I'm playing well below my potential. I'm not letting myself actually do it because if I do it and I fail, then I'll be exposed. So I might as well just be average. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. yeah that's Which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because when we don't take action at the same level of you know, with that confidence and inner power, the forcing function is that we're not going to get the results. But and internally, we'll be like, see, we get to be right. We also get to not be exposed because there's plausible deniability because I didn't really go for it. I didn't really try that hard. Yeah. And I used to do this for every test. I would not prepare. And I realized this years later is because I could tell myself the story. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't do so well, but you didn't really study. So that's why. Yeah, that's why. If you had studied, maybe you would have done better, right? So you, you, we, we are used to justify totally a lot of things. And that's what we're really good at. Can you imagine how good, how great we are at convincing ourselves about shit things in our life to being okay with shit situations? Imagine the energy and the power it takes to convince yourself that something is not great in your life and you're able to tell yourself that is actually not that bad yeah that's superpower it's, it's crazy how much we'll tolerate yeah and put up with one of my favorite exercises with a new client is i'll say okay what are you tolerating and they'll give me an answer like what are you tolerating yeah. and we'll keep going for what will feel like an eternity but what the level of awareness that creates like fuck there's so much i'm putting up with 
And it's not just typically in business, it starts to bleed over in all parts of life. And it's like this moment of confronting the truth. But without that, there's no change possible. Like we're not connected to reality, to the truth. Change is impossible. Change requires us to be like to really get through the discomfort of being completely honest with ourselves yeah. about every single thing. So tell me like, what, so how did you go from there to what, so what do you do now? And tell me about how, and these are my words, not yours, but you basically created a masterpiece of a life in terms of you're doing what you love, you're living where you love in Bali, you're in the sun, you eat great food, you're surrounded with people you love. And particularly when I heard you describing the work you do, I can really feel you light up. So tell us about that and how you've constructed this masterpiece. Yeah, so masterpiece, like you just said, I think it's always work in progress. Because yeah. always, the mind is, is very hard to tame. And like I said before, even now, sometimes I sit on the couch and think, oh, what the hell am I doing? It's part of it. But I re- the fact that I'm able to realize that for myself keeps me progressing slowly and with emphasis on slowly because it's a slow process. So what I do now is that I truly help people to, because I became big by selling courses. So that came natural to me. So what I do now is really help people packaging that what's in their head into a sellable product. Um, product. can be a course, can be a one-on-one a package a program or a workshop or a cohort or a bigger events, whatever that package may be, uh, what people feel for themselves to do what they want. And what I love about it is that I now can pick and choose the people I truly want to work with, because that's something I never did in the beginning. In the beginning, it was just purely, I need to make money, I need to make cash, so we do this. And we did really well. But most of those people were beginners. And although I was a beginner once, and I am still am in certain fields, but I realized that my heart sinks from people who are established and running into a wall because I know I can help those people the best because I was there very recently. Very recently, I was on top of the mountain and realizing I was not on top of my mountain. So knowing that I know that really well, that I can help people transition through see, let them see that you don't need so much. You don't. And when people realize that, is that then that you can... If you want to, you could live easily and very luxurious of three grand a month, depending on which part of the world you want to live. Yeah. Obviously, there are different economical right. situations, but it, it is possible, right? You don't need a lot of money, like I mentioned before. And that's the first part I like to help people with. Okay, this is what is it that you want. So then the whole mechanical part starts where we're actually going to package that knowledge where it's purely marketing and sales, positioning, clients, how we're going to do it. And that is literally seeing ABC. Follow those steps like you said before. Yeah, It will happen for you. If you don't do anything, it goes slower. Yeah. If you put your heart and soul to it, go faster. You decide how fast you want to run. And then when they reach that moment, they're going to reach the point where I was. Because then they're going to realize, hey, I'm still making the same amount of money. But now I work less because I work more efficiently because I package my knowledge. I can leverage my time way better. So that means that I can do other stuff. And then they fall in the same black hole like I was. Yeah. But now what? And then, okay, why don't you do nothing for a while? Why don't you do 
less and be okay with doing less. Yeah, but that's impossible because I need to. You don't need to because we show you that you don't need it, right? And then that, that, that part of working with people is very interesting, but also for my development, because yeah. when you share, you get a better understanding of what you are sharing each and every time because you have to explain it and every person is unique and every situation, there's not like a blueprint. If you do this, like this, this will happen. There is a framework, obviously, that you need to follow, but there are nuances to it because every person is different. Every person is different. Every market is different. The way the relationship that you have with your audience is different from person to person. So all these little nuances need a little bit of adjustment, not per se for me, but to make them aware of the fact that you need to tune a little bit more towards that person from your personal perspective and your experiences. And I find that, that that area of nuance now is way more interesting than the area of tactical work where you do this and this happens. So that is where I'm at now. And that, that allows me to not needing to work with everybody with a heartbeat. Right. That allows me to pick and choose. And most of the times, like you, you explained it to me as well, yeah. we almost become friends with your clients. In my world, that's something that's happening right now. The, one of my clients is here. He's going to move to Bali. Not because of me, but because I said to him, you need to leave where you are. You need to go and see the world. And now it's here. And you got such a different relationship. It's not about mentor, mentee anymore. That's beyond that. It's very hierarchical. Yeah. It, it is not like I want to tell you what to, because right. it becomes almost like an exchange. Yeah. And that person doesn't feel that he's paying for the exchange because he gets a lot of benefits from it. But I get the monetary adva- uh, advantage. Right. But I also get the that, that knowledge back from people I always have a perspective that I never thought about. Oh, this is very clever. You know, so and you, you keep on learning and evolving at the same time while being paid for it in a place that you love, where you want to be. I think that's the ultimate situation for every entrepreneur. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So what's next? What's where you stand today? Like what yeah. sort of a vision are you playing with? So I come to the realization that I always was, I always did things in teams. Yeah. But I see now more and more the power of collaboration more. Yeah. I love to connect with somebody and then bring different worlds together and do something that I wouldn't say I couldn't do it by myself, but it gives so much more growth, so much more energy if you collaborate with other people from different walks of life. It can be absolute beginners with great ideas. It can be super established people who want to come a little bit more down towards where I am. And, and so collaboration is the key word. Doing things together. And I believe that when you made it, quote unquote, what made is for yeah. everybody different. Yeah. But when you feel that you've made it, the biggest purpose you will find is by giving back. And that is, is what's happening right now. And I, and I love that moment. It's... Interesting how the wealthiest people in the world eventually get to that point where it becomes about giving back. Because when you got everything, the only thing left to do is give it all away. Yeah, in a way it is. And the whole thing is such a funny game. We do everything we can to acquire everything. And then we get there and then we realize that it, the purpose of life is to actually just give it all away. 
Yeah, you can define giving it all away in different ways, but sometimes taking on helping just people for the sake of helping them without the, the, the wisdom, right? Yeah. Like it's in my mind, it's sure it can be money. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm sure this is true for you and tell me if it's not, but the greatest satisfaction you're going to get is being able to take the life experience and the wisdom that you acquired on in the school of hard knocks to distill a lifetime into a sentence and give a, a drop of gold to someone who, re, who really needs it and have that be so impactful. That's it, right? Like, that's, that's it. But what we're doing here at this moment, right? right? I realize we sit, I don't know how long we are sitting I have here. no idea. And I know that I always listen to everything three, three yeah. <laughs> times three. So that's what I suggest you do right now. So go listen to it word for word, yeah. three times speed and take out the stuff that you need. But this is in a way how you can, if, if just one person gets the idea, oh, wow, I'm going to change something. I think our day is made. Absolutely. Because that's what it is about. Because that person is going to not impact himself, but that, that person probably will impact generations. Because with everybody, this person will come in contact with, he will inspire in a way, shape or form, how he may be inspired through this. Yeah. And I think that is what true wealth is about. And I'll, I'll close with this last point. How we know that this is true wealth is because true wealth is regenerative. So this makes mathematical sense because the way this works is that it benefits everyone. And then those people get to take that wisdom and create something in their life. And then they get to give, pass that on. And everyone, all the boats lift up. And to me, when we are absolutely in alignment with our internal harmony and the harmony of this entire universe, we're operating in a regenerative way. We're not operating in a parasitic way where we're focused on what can I take? What can I get? What can I acquire? It's a, that's the zero sum game. If there's one pizza pie and there's two of us, if I take a slice, then there's one slice less left for you. Yeah. And if we're down to the last slice, if I take that slice or you take that slice, the other person doesn't get to have that slice. So there's a zero-sum game way of playing this game of life where one person winning, it's like trading, right? One person, for one person to make money, someone has to lose money. Yeah. And that's parasitic in design. And then there's regenerative where one person winning means everyone wins. And I really think the world that I want to create or I want to help create in all humility is a world where people who are operating like this are able to acquire and basically become really wealthy. And the people who are already extremely wealthy are able to operate like this because it's only to their benefit. Yeah. I work with my first politician a few years ago, the mayor of a city, and had to sign a lot of NDAs yeah. for that one. Yeah. But it was so fascinating because 10 years ago, I wrote in a journal, like I was writing a vision. I was like, I want to work with heads of state 
and help shift consciousness at that level, not just entrepreneurs want to work with people in Hollywood who have access to influencing millions of people, hundreds of millions of people. Because when people who are actually pulling the strings on how this world, this our society operates, when they experience a shift in consciousness, then that ripples out. Yeah. And it's only to their benefit because all the money in the world is useless if we don't feel at peace with ourselves. True that. So I really appreciate who you are. I really appreciate that you've had the courage to follow your joy and build epic success, had the courage to just take it apart and look inward for the answers on how to create a masterpiece out of your life. And you've been following those whispers. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for just this new friendship that I feel really excited to nurture. And I hope this helped and continues to help a lot of people. Please tell everyone where they can find you, the kind of people you help, how they can reach you. First of all, I'd like to thank you for this. I love this. I love this conversation. I think this needs to be done way often, more often. People will really help this. Where can you find me? You can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Virgil Brewster. You can find me on X under my name, Virgil Brewster. There are many ways of interacting with me, sending me DMs, and I'll try to get back to you 100%. Yeah, I work with everybody who is, has an established business and needs their time back. That is my world. That's what I do and I enjoy doing. So I'm open to do And you're one of the things you're really amazing at is helping them create, take their IP and turn that into a digital product yeah. that really allows them to leverage their time, their energy better, obviously at a much lower cost basis because yeah. digital products are very cheap to replicate. I love that. And so the philosophy and the principles very much align with this whole scale with psychology world that I'm creating. So if any of this resonated, if you have a business and you think adding a digital product would be helpful and you want to get your time back and you want someone to support you who's done a few things in that direction, then I can't recommend you highly enough. I think um, you're just a fantastic human being in addition to obviously having built the credibility by actually doing the thing. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I love Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please consider leaving a five-star review to allow the show to reach more people or share this episode via your social media channels. If you're an entrepreneur and want support in exponentially scaling your business, email me at ani at animanian.com. At